Give the Lord a hand clap of praise, why don't you? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Well, praise the Lord, everyone. I greet you in the name of Jesus, which is still the only name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. I'm in love with that name of Jesus. Some of you all remember my wife and grandson being here some years ago. And Jaron was getting ready to start his first year in school. And uh, one Sunday afternoon, I was taking care of the church while the Hamans were uh, trying to enjoy a little bit of respite. And Jaron said, Papa, you know what you say when you get up to preach? I can say that. I said, you can? He said, oh, yes, sir. I said, well, why don't you put on your suit tonight and your white shirt and your tie. Don't go to sleep. You stay awake. You sit right by Grandma. And when they introduce me, I will hand you the microphone. And you can say that for Papa. Oh, yes, sir, he said. So when I was standing over here, I gave him the nod. And he bounced up, stood beside me very erect and just waiting for the moment. And they handed me the microphone and I gave it to him. And he said, I greet you in the name of Jesus, which is still the only name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved. You all clapped and thought that was so good. He was so proud. He almost busted a little button going back by his mom, grandma. So I complimented him on that on the way home. He said, well, I can do it again for you Wednesday if you want. (laughs) And... uh, I said, fair enough, good deal. And he did. Exemplary Wednesday night. He had to fly out Thursday morning, my wife flying with him so he could start school. And took him to the airport four o'clock in the morning. My wife called me later and told me that she sat by the window and little Jaron was in the middle seat. A middle aged lady came up to him and stuck out her hand and said, Well, hello, young man. My name is Linda. What is your name? He said, My name is Jaron, and I greet you in the name of Jesus, which is still the only name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved. And the lady said, Well, praise the Lord, she said. She got settled. She said, Well, what's this name of Jesus thing? So my wife taught her a home Bible study right on the airplane. That's what it's all about. I am happy to be here. Thank you for all of your kindnesses. I love the Heyman family. I have been enriched and blessed by their friendship over the years. And uh, I count it an honor to be their friend and for them to be mine. I am thrilled with what I see God doing under the leadership of Brother Don Heyman II. Continuing on with the work that his father has established. It ought to great great peace and comfort to this church to know that the truth is marching on. I see I see transitions around the countryside where younger generations want to think like younger generations, but I'm happy to be around a younger generation that wants to think old school. And I'm I thank God for that. You ought to thank God for that. That ought to bring a lot of peace of mind in daddy's mind, mama's mind, your sister's minds, the saints' minds, and most importantly, in my mind. That's what I'm talking about. Hallelujah. How am I going to help me preach a little bit here today? Well, I might just teach a Bible class, but they're going to call it where I'm supposed to preach. The book of Psalms, chapter 86. Psalms 86 and verse number 7. I always announce my text twice. And you remember why I announce my text twice. I believe I've told you that already. How many remember? 
The reason I announced my text twice is because men don't get it the first time. If you only announce your text one time, the man will say to the lady beside him, What did he say? And every time the lady will tell the man where to turn. Because women can multitask. Men cannot multitask. God even understands there's a problem. God said, Adam, Adam. <laughs> Noah, Noah. Samuel, Samuel. Saul, Saul. Men don't get it the first time. Women do. Where would we be without women? Probably still in the Garden of Eden. Psalms 86, verse number 7. It reads like this. In the day of my trouble, I will call. Do you already have a plan ahead of time? I will call upon thee, for thou wilt answer me. My mother-in-law would call me. Uh, Marty, uh, is not answering her phone. Do you know where she's at? Uh, yeah, I'll get her for you. Uh, Daddy, mom's not answering her phone. Uh, is she home? Yeah, I'll, I'll get her for you. Her sisters will call. Uh, is Marcia there? I can't. She's not answering her phone. I hate it when I have to send my wife a text message or leave a voicemail because I want her to answer me. me too. But when you call him, now the reason I answer is because I'm evangelist. I got to answer every call because you never know. That's inside right there, folks, sir. But there's assurance in knowing that when you call him, he will answer. Among the gods, small g, there is none like unto thee. There's no God like Jehovah. Neither are there any works like unto thy works. Remember the old song of the church? Can't nobody do me like Jesus. All nations whom thou hast made shall come and worship before thee, O Lord, and shall glorify thy name. For thou art great and doest wondrous things. Thou art God alone. And somebody put your hands together and praise him a little while. Thank you, Jesus. Shake hands with someone who thinks they're holier than you, and you may be seated. Some are still standing. Second Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9. For the eyes of the Lord run. To and fro throughout the whole earth. Why? To show himself strong in behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. God is just looking for, evidently, according to this verse, looking for an opportunity to do something. To show himself strong. And I would like to speak to you on this subject today. God loves to perform. God loves to perform. I'm a father of five children. Grandpa of 13. And uh, we have one factory that has not begun production. I don't know. But when the kids get up to a certain age, you hear them say, Papa, watch this. Now, I've lived in as far south as Texas. I've lived in redneck country, and I've lived in Yankee country, and I'm a westerner by birth. But normally, in some parts of the world where I've lived, watch this doesn't always have a happy ending. But there is a God who just delights 
and letting his eyes run to and fro, looking for an opportunity to show himself strong in behalf of his people. You don't know like I know what he's done for me, the old song says. I'm happy to tell you that God wants to do something wonderful in this church, in your life, even in this conference today. Put your hands together one more time. God loves to perform. It's like God would say, watch this. He didn't have anybody say, watch this, to accept the angels, maybe when he created the worlds. But you don't have to read very far into God's plan before you see him doing amazing things. I was, for example, Abraham going up the mountain yonder with his dumb son Isaac. Well... You can't, it's not a 15 minute hike up that mountain. It's a, it's a long ways up there. And after a while, going a long ways, he finally said, Hey, dad, uh, here's the wood and there's the fire. Where's the sacrifice? Hello. It's like he couldn't figure out we have to have a sacrifice to sacrifice. And Abraham said, the Lord will provide himself a sacrifice. Looking at that statement from this vantage point in time, we realize that Abraham was also speaking in prophecy when he said the Lord will provide himself a lamb. But out of nowhere, when the knife was in the air ready to plunge down, angel had to hold his hand and there was a noise in the brambles yonder and a ram was being held captive. What happened? God was saying... Watch this. You think God can't come through for you? You think God is going to be laid on your behalf? He's looking for an opportunity to show himself on time in your behalf. Can I get a witness from somebody? Now, I love the stories about when the children of Israel were in Egypt. I especially like the story about when Moses was a baby. And the law of the Pharaoh was, if it's a boy, kill him. But Moses' mama, she was a lawbreaker. And she wouldn't go let her baby die. She saw this is a good child. I'm not going to kill this baby. And so she put it in a little basket of reeds out in the river. It just so happened that God loves to perform. And he sent the very man who made that law, sent his daughter out there. I didn't send her out there. She was out there taking a bath in the, in the river. And they, her maids heard the baby cry. They brought her, they brought Moses to Pharaoh's daughter and she fell in love with it. Brought it home and showed it to her daddy. And oh, hard hearted, mean Pharaoh fell in love with the baby and had to pay for its raising. God loves to perform. I don't care what kind of mess the devil throws in your path or my path. God has the answer to your problem. He has the answer to our problem. He has the answer to my problem. Now, I'm talking about when they came to the Red Sea, God made, oh, you talk about God performing. God opened up the waters for them. Stacked up on one side and they walked through on muddy ground. No, they walked through on dry ground. Why? God loves to perform. He just didn't stack the water up. He let them walk through on dry, dusty ground. And then finally when the enemy caught up with them, he sent some angels down there with some socket sets, three quarter inch socket sets. Nine sixteenths its sockets, and they took of they took the wheels off the chariots in the middle of the water, and then the water washed over the top of them. Why? God loves to perform. He had a pillar of fire to light up their world by night. You talk about a street light. He had a pillar of cloud by day to guide them. Food came from heaven every morning. They didn't even have a sword to fight against the enemy coming their way. So, what did the Lord do? So, oh my goodness, I forgot about no swords. So now, now what am I going to do? Now, he loves to perform. 
he just leaned over and funked a few hornet hives and the hornets came and drove the enemy away. God loves to perform. I'm saying God can figure out an answer to your problem just like that. The devil will tell you there's no hope for you and there's no help for you in your dilemma. But my God still has the answer. He loves to perform. He knows how to bring Jericho's walls down. You know, I've had him say to me, well, Brother Ballesteria, you talked about when they, when they shouted, the walls came down. It didn't mean that they got up there and they just danced around. I understand. 1960, we moved to South Bend, one and a half miles away from Notre Dame. And back in the day when Notre Dame used to make touchdowns, on October and September afternoons on Saturday, you could hear them screaming a mile and a half away. And the paper would show the next day fans with their hands in the air and their feet off the ground. Yes! Why? Their team had made a few points. I haven't been in the stadium. I haven't been to their games. Just for your information. (laughs) But what I could read in the paper, I saw fans that were shouting. And when their voice got in it, and their heart got in it, their hands got in it, their feet got in it. So when you have a, a dilemma... And you've got some walls that need to come down. Why don't you just go ahead and put everything in it and then watch God bring the walls down? Can I get a witness? When I read about David in Psalms 40, he said, verse 1, he said, I waited patiently for the Lord. And he inclined unto me, and he heard my cry. And he brought me up also out of a horrible pit, and out of a miry clay. We're we're living in a day of addictions. And we're living in a day when folks get so entangled with sin, they can't extract themselves. One time I found myself in quicksand, and I was fortunate to have a board that I could hang on to and pull myself up out and wait for folks to help me get out of there. But not everybody is so fortunate. When you find your feet entrenched in miry clay, you can't get out. I don't know what addiction you have in this house today or what you've been fighting, but my God is able to deliver you today from whatever addiction you have. All it takes is just one moment in His presence. There's nothing like being in His presence. One time will change your life. The Holy Ghost still works. The Holy Ghost still will do a work in your life today. Understand, He said, And set my feet upon a rock and establish my goings. He didn't just pull me up out of the miry clay. He put me on something solid. You need to thank God the longest day you live for a good church. And establish my God. You don't get established without preaching. You don't get established without the Word of God. It's important that you be here every service. It's important that you follow the teaching of your man of God. And all the church said, Amen. Amen. Then I would tell you, a famine came in the land. And Elijah found himself down by a brook. Because that's where water was. And he didn't have anything to eat. But God loves to perform. And ravens began to bring food for him. And dropped him off by him and flew off. One day God said, I want you to go over to such and such a place. There's a widow woman there. You hang around her house for a little bit. When he gets there, he finds her out in the field picking up sticks and inquires what she's doing. She said, I just got enough for one more meal. I don't have a husband. Times are hard. We're going to fix one meal and we're going to lay down and die. Well, he said, whatever. It's the NIV. 
give me, give me the cake. I won't eat it. I don't know what Junior thought when he looked at Mama wondering. I was hoping for at least one more meal before I die, but he's going to eat. And the man of God sat there and ate it. Wiped his mouth. I don't know if he burped or not, but thanked her no doubt for the food. And she started cleaning up. And she's putting stuff away. And the next thing she knows, when she lifts up the little vessel of oil, it's as heavy as it was yesterday. And she looks in it. There's just enough for one more meal. She looks in the meal barrel, and there's just enough. Some folks think that a miracle is winning the lottery. Did it ever dawn on you that a miracle from God is that there being just enough for today? Just enough to help you make it through today. God loves to perform in your life. You woke up this morning. He put food on your table. You got a roof over your house. You had a bed to sleep in or at least a place to sleep in. If you got air conditioning, thank you, Jesus. That's what I'm talking about. I want to tell you, we're some pampered pooches. But God's been good to us. And He performs mighty things on our behalf. (laughs) The three Hebrew children stood there like ramrods, refusing to bow to their pagan king's idol that he had erected there. They said, we honor you, O king, but we're not going to bow before that. He said, you understand. I've already put out the order. If you don't bow, I'm throwing you in the fire. He said, well, you may do that. We don't know if he will or not, but we do know that our God is able. We know he can perform. If he feels like performing, he can perform. They had, he heated the thing up seven times hotter than it had ever been heated. And the very men that picked up the three Hebrew children and threw them in the fire, they wound up getting little X's in their eyes. They was deader than four o'clock in the morning, just laying right there. And the king looked in the fire and he said, Hey, how many did we throw in there? Did we throw three? Yeah, we did. Well, I see four. And the fourth man is likened to the... What's going on? God loves to perform. The three Hebrew children are walking around in there. Their clothes aren't catching on fire. Their hair on their head is not singed. I wouldn't have had a problem anyway. But there wasn't even a smell of smoke on those boys. Why? God was in a performing mode. And when God gets in a performing mode, there's no telling what my God will do. There's no limit to what He can do. I don't know why I'm trying to encourage somebody's faith. But I want you to know He's still God. And He's still in control. He still has the answers. Some of you may need housing. Some of you may need transportation. Some of you may need a job. Some of you may have a marriage that needs to be put back together. Some of you may have children not living for God. I, some of you may need to get a mortgage or build a church. All I can tell you, God loves to perform. And there is no limit to what my God can do. When I started evangelizing this time, I bought me a $5,000 pickup truck. I mean, if you're going to go, go first class. And it had a four, as a Ford, had a 460 engine in it. It didn't have any faults, except that it really loved service stations and... I would get seven miles to the gallon without my 35-foot trailer. And pulling the trailer on level ground, I would get four. That's what I'm talking about. (laughs) Now, I'd had it, I was pulling the trailer for the first year, and I blew an exhaust manifold gasket on the right side. Now, when you're on the road, they see you coming. 1,522 smackaroos. I don't know what that is in U.S. dollars, but that was. And I had a 30-day warranty. 
which is good. Except that it blew it again on the 31st day. And I was heating up at over 55 in the San Joaquin Valley. I was, it was running hot over 50, 55 without the trailer on flat ground. And I had to pull the trailer over by Mount Shasta and going up towards Washington. I have to go through the Siskiyou Mountains. So I called Sugar Booger up. I said, baby, I'd like to, I'm going to be up there about six weeks. I'd like to take the trailer up. And, and she had to go home for some medical uh, procedures. I said, do we have $1,500 in case that's what it costs again? I don't know what the exact price is going to be. She said, well, we do, but we don't. I can't think like that. Yes or no is what I wanted her to say. I said, well, what do you mean we do, but we don't? Well, she said, you know, we sold some stuff. Yes. She said, well, we haven't paid tithes on our stuff yet. And I said, we haven't paid tithes. I said, baby, don't get me in trouble with God. I said, the preacher said that I could sleep on his couch in his office. I'm going to be there three weeks. I'll just sleep on the couch. I'll leave the trailer in Merced and I'll... I'll go up and preach for Brother Glenn Burgess. So I, I went up the coast rather than go over the mountains. I just, it took me 14 hours longer to go that way. I get up there. I don't say one word to the preacher about my truck. I don't say anything. My wife had promised me that she'd pay tithes the next day, which was Sunday, and, and get all that fixed up for me. So I, I get up there. I'm there like... Three days. My wife is getting ready to fly out and join me. Brother Burgess says, uh, Brother Ballester, give me the keys to your truck. I want to see him. I pull him out and give it to him. He said, here's my car keys. I said, well, I don't want your car. <laughs> I need you to put up Malachi chapter 3, verse number 10. I said, I, I don't want your car. He said, no, I'm going to have your truck two, three days, maybe. Just said, two, three days. He said, don't ask any questions. Five pastors in Washington went together and they rebuilt my truck from the front bumper to the back bumper. Transmission, motor, exhaust system. I was nearly in tears. Bring ye the portion of tithes you can afford to pay this week and put it in the offering pan, saith the Lord, that there may be meat in mine house. And I double dog dare you. Look, look it up in the Greek. Oh, that's Hebrew, actually. I double dog dare you. That's what the word prove means. Prove me now. Herewith. Why? Because the Lord's just looking for an opportunity to perform. Prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven. You say, why do you say the door of heaven? I don't know, but I will tell you there's a lot more windows in heaven than there are doors, evidently. And pour, D-U-M-P, pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. It sounds to me like if you will enter into a covenant relationship with God Almighty and bring Him a tithe of what He's given you, He will prove to you that He'll give you a blessing you don't even have room enough to receive it. So couple days I'm up there. I haven't even got my truck back yet. Sister Honey flies in. I get me a kiss right there and a kiss right there and a great big kiss right there. No, 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 no. I got blessed just thinking about that. God's good. And I get this call. My wife and I are Look at this little couch we've been sleeping on. I get a call, and it's from a brother 
Gerald Adams, Hopkinsville, Kentucky. I said, praise the Lord, Brother Ballesterro. I said, well, praise the Lord, Elder. And this is the next words out of his mouth. Uh, Elder, he said, what would you like to have, a Lincoln Town car, a Cadillac DeVille, or a minivan? I said, sir? He said, I've just come back from the church, been praying over there. The Lord told me to buy you a car, and I don't know what to buy you. Do you want a Lincoln Town car, a Cadillac DeVille, or a minivan? I sat down. I never had anybody ask me them kind of questions. Them some hard questions right there. He said, now, it, it, it probably won't be a brand new one. But, for example, I know where there is, and he told me, he said, I know where there is a Cadillac uh, DeVille uh, a Concours. That's the highest of the three levels of, of DeVilles. He said, it's got leather seats. And he began, I said, say no more. That, that's, that, that, yeah, that's fine. Right there. That, that's the one I want right there. He said, okay, tell your wife to catch a plane and meet me at such and such a place or pick up the car in Louisville, I think it was. We finally hung up. My wife and I hugged. We cried. We held hands like six-year-old. Go back to that. Go back to that. Prove me now herewith. You put God first in your ties. You put God first in your finances. He's just waiting to show himself miraculous on your behalf. No telling what we're robbing ourselves from when we no longer pay tithes. Come on, somebody. Thank you, God. Thank you, Brother Adams. And thank you, Hop- Hopkinsville Life Tabernacle. Jesus is sitting beside her. Sitting on a little bench outside the house. His mama walks up. Honey, they've run out of wine. He said, my time's not yet. His mother wasn't ready for a a theological discussion. She turns to the servant and said, whatever he says you do, you do it. Then moms, they, they just carry on. She walks off. Jesus says to him, fill those with water. And they do. When they fill them with water, he said, okay, go serve it. And when they served it, those that drank it said, man, this wine is awesome. You've saved the best till the last. What was going on? God wrapped himself up in human form. Steps out on the pages of time. Why? He's getting ready to perform. He's getting ready to show himself that he is God. That he can forgive sin. And he does the miraculous. Now, he opens blinded eyes. He heals, cleanses the leper. He walked on water. He said to the storm, the wind, peace. Be still. And the seas lay down like glass. And the wind ran off like a whipped yeller cur dog. By the time you start reading where Jesus' ministry is really beginning, it said concerning one place he could there do no mighty work. Say that he laid his hand upon a few sick folk and he healed them and he marveled. Because of their unbelief. Any of you all ever seen miracles performed right in front of your eyes? I have. We had a van just back in 1961, maybe, something like that. From Nederland, Texas. And he stood and he said, I'm not going to preach to you tonight. He said, we're going to have a healing service. And he started praying for folk. I'm 21 or so sitting on the front row. I'm home for a couple of days. And there was a man in our church in South Bend named Brother Perkins. He was an iron worker, was a welder, and he had 
a hot, red hot rivet had dropped in his ear and burnt his eardrum out. Gone. So he's standing in line there to be prayed for because he wants to hear. He wants another eardrum. And all the saints know, <laughs> lots of luck on that one. But he's standing there anyway. And so he, he asked Brother Perkins what he needed, what he wanted the Lord to do for him. And he told him, I'm trying to, um, well, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Anyway, he said, how many of you never seen a miracle? And six men, he called them up, he said, stick your fingers in his ear, you cover his ear, and he had him do all this kind of stuff. He said, if God... The man's name was Chester Hensley. He said, if God does not heal this man right now, I will close my Bible and I will never preach another sermon as long as I live. And my eyes roll over towards my daddy's eyes. Oh, oh. I might have been a young preacher, but my faith was good, but it wasn't that good. I just tell you that right now. He prayed for the man. He said, keep your hands in his ears. The man's like right there. He walked over to the wall, turned his face to the wall and said, how you feeling now, Brother Perkins? Brother Perkins said, I'm feeling just fine. People started hollering and shouting. But you don't know. You can't see if he has an eardrum. Look at your neighbor. Can you see if they got an eardrum? You can't tell. The next day he went to the doctor. The doctor said, I don't know what you're here for, but your hearing's perfect. You got an eardrum. What happened? God loves to perform. I'm talking about a God who can do the impossible thing. I preached, uh, I really don't, I'm really not at liberty to tell you the state. Because, because, maybe you'll understand. But a preacher, not all that old had about 45 people in his church, a oneness preacher. And he went to a a nice restaurant, taking his wife out for their anniversary. And he saw some people from town that he recognized. And so he's howdying with them, shaking their hands and talking at a few tables. And the next day he gets a call from the owner of the restaurant. And she says, "Uh, you pastor so-and-so? Said, yes. She said, well, uh, I'm the owner of the restaurant you and your wife ate at last night. And I noticed how you interacted with people. And she said, I was very impressed by that. She said, I'm a Methodist. And I found out that you're Pentecostal. She said, but would you mind if I came to your church service tomorrow morning? I said, oh, I'd love to have you. Please come. She did. So she came up to him after church and she pulls out a checkbook. She said, oh, I love this. The service was wonderful. Preaching, the singing, everything. I loved it. And she, she said, I've here a check for $15,000. I want to give you, I want 5000 of it to be for you. And I want you to give 5000 to the Baptist pastor in town and 5000 to the Methodist pastor in town on one condition that you don't tell them where the money came from. I want them to think it came from you. He said, I could do that. So he deposited the money. After it cleared, he went up to the Baptist pastor and said, Hey, man, I just wanted to bless you a little bit. I said, Well, thank you. The Methodist pastor's kind of blown out of the water herself. And they didn't see any more from the lady for a couple months. And then they got a call. He said, Could you please join my husband and myself uh, tomorrow night for a meal, just us? The restaurant's closed. I just want to cook a meal for us. And they went. And while they're there, they have a nice time. And they're talking about things not even related to church. Just a pretty bland conversation. The meal is concluded. The dessert is finished. And she says to the pastor, "Uh, how many people do you have in your church? Oh, I said about 40, 45. She said, what would it cost to build you a new church? Oh, he said, we've checked into that. Probably we could get into something for about 300000 
She said, maybe I didn't make myself clear. What would it cost to build you the church of your dreams? Oh, I said, no, that's a different story. Probably over 700000 for that. She said, well, that's kind of what my husband and I thought. And she wrote him out a check for $750,000. She said, now, before I give this to you, I want you to promise me that when you stand up Sunday at the church and you tell your people that you're getting ready to buy and to build, I want you to do it on one condition that you don't tell them where this money came from. I was raised in this town. I went off to another place that if I told you what business she was in, you could find out who the lady was. And I don't want to do that in a public uh, setting. She said, but I sold my business for a hundred and I think $68 million recently. She said, I just want to come back to my hometown and give back to the community that I come from. She said, you just get up Sunday and tell the people the Lord provided. I'm saying God loves to perform. I don't know what you got going on or what you think your dilemma is, but I promise you the God we serve, He loves to perform. Friday, Friday, last Friday, my brother-in-law told me, he said, There's a man, 65-year-old man in the town where I'm holding a revival in Tennessee. He wrote a suicide note and picked up his gun and was ready to end it all. And a voice behind him said, don't do it. And shaken, he laid the gun down. And my brother-in-law knocked on his door. And witnessed to him about Jesus, baptized him in Jesus' name, and he got the Holy Ghost the same day. Why? God loves to perform. I'm talking about a God who keeps on coming through on your behalf and on my behalf. I, uh, <laughs> let, let me look in the book of Luke, chapter 7. Luke chapter 7. And verse number 14, there's a funeral. The husband's dead. The only child, the son, has died too, and the widow is grieving. There's no social security. There's no food stamps. She has no means to support herself now. Her world has just come to an end. And Jesus came, and he touched the casket. And they that bear him stood still. He said, young man, I say unto thee, Arise. And he that was dead sat up and began to speak. And he handed him over to his mama. Why? I'm talking about a God who stops funeral processions. Who says, Lazarus, come forth. Why? He loves to perform. I was at my son Anthony's church two weeks ago. And a woman named Jetta, who is a in the church, who happened to be a... Uh, What do they call it? A tutor. She was tutoring a child in this home. And the mother screamed. Because in the the house where she was tutoring, they're not in church. And this three-year-old baby in this home had fallen into the swimming pool and drowned. And the mother is screaming. And Jetta stood up and testified. She said, I ran out there. And I grabbed the baby and I told the mother, call 911. And the mother said, you got the Holy Ghost. Pray for my baby. She said, I begin to call on the name of the Lord and pray for that baby. She said the helicopters came. But before the helicopter got there, that baby was coughing and spitting up water. Oh, they took it to the hospital, but they sent it home the same day. What happened? God loves to perform. When you use the name of Jesus, something begins to happen, brothers and sisters. Jesus died on the cross. I'm in deference to time. I'm just going to jump over so much. The sun went dark. Thunder rolled. The earth shook. Graves opened. 
The temple veil rent from the top down to the bottom. And Jesus died. When they went to find him, went to the tomb where he was, they rolled away the stone, but he had already come through that stone. And when the disciples were gathered together in fear and wonderment, what was going on? Jesus didn't ring the doorbell. He didn't knock three times on the pipes. He walked through the door. Why? He loves to perform. He walked into where they were. I'm talking about a God who knows how to open up the prison doors and let prison doors open by themselves. And deli- He loves to perform, brothers and sisters. I love it when he said, I've got the keys to death, to hell, and the grave. I tried to start a church in Oklahoma City. I was there a couple of years. And my father's health took a turn. And I was invited to come and assist him. And I did. I had one revival while I was there. It was by a blind evangelist named Brother Joe Duke. And if you never heard him preach, you missed an opportunity of a lifetime. I'm talking about a man who stood up and said, Oh, my God. Woman here, got a red polka dot dress on. Woman, I see the armadillos rooting in your grave. You need to get in this altar right now. And the first time visitor runs screaming to the altar in a red polka dot dress. I don't know. Don't, don't ask me. I don't know. All I know is I was broker in the Ten Commandments. That means I didn't have much money. We only had about 25 people. But every day, Brother Duke would sit, every morning he'd sit in a chair and he'd just kind of rock back and forth. And he'd talk to God in prayer, just kind of conversational tones, just talking. And my wife trying to tiptoe around him. She was only about, I think she was 21, something like that. I was a ripe old age of 24. And... He's rocking back and forth and talking whatever he was praying about. He said, oh, now God, he said, the people I'm preaching for now, they ain't got nothing. That's right there. That, <laughs> that ain't no false prophet right there. I'll just say that. <laughs> he said, they give me the best they got, but they ain't got much. He said, now, God, tonight I'd like to have some pork chops. And I want some cat head biscuits. Now, if you don't know what cat head biscuits is, that's biscuits as big as a cat's head. That's what he's talking about. So I'm going to need about 10 pounds of flour. Why don't you give me about a, oh, about a one, count, one pound can of Crisco. And uh, I want some cane sorghum. Why don't you give me a, go ahead and give me a gallon can of that. And uh, I, I want some I want some real butter this time. Don't give me no oleo, no margarine like last time. I want some real, real butter. Make it two pounds of butter. And I'd like some corn on the cob and some fried okra. And I'm hungry for some fresh nap green beans. Mmm, yeah. Now, God, they got a couple babies here. They probably could use some milk. So why don't you throw in a gallon, make it two gallons of milk. All right, Lord, that I'll take care of that. Now, about this other thing. And I'm looking at my wife like, I want pork chops. <laughs> but you can only just sell so much blood. <laughs> they don't let you do it every day. That was 1130. Long about 230. Living in the back of the church. Knock comes on the door. By the time I walk all the way over there, I hear a motor go, but there's nobody at the back door. Sixteen brown sacks of groceries. Pork chops. Ten pounds of flour. A pound can of Crisco. Two pounds of real butter. Corn on the cob, fresh snap green beans, two 
glass bottles, gallon bottles of milk and more besides. Why? God loves to perform. Give us this day our daily bread. Now, a God who can do that, listen to one prayer. What's keeping him from blessing you in your life? What's hindering you from building the church that you want to build? What's hindering him from getting you the job that you need to get to put food on your table? I'm talking about a God who loves, his eyes are going to and fro. He's just looking for an opportunity to show himself strong on behalf of those whose who love him and whose lives are perfect towards him. Come, put your hands together and praise him right now. I got more stuff, but I quit. Daddy said, when you run out of soap, quit scrubbing. I want to tell you, God is still on the throne. Now, a lot of folk in this house might tighten up a little bit when you talk about God can still perform signs and wonders and miracles. But folks, that's, this is a package deal we got. We, we serve a God who's not limited except by our expectations, our desires. and our, I want my God to do for me whatever he can do for me. Whatever he sees I need done. I want him to be strong on my behalf. Would you stand up with me right now? Lift your hands and your hearts to God. Praise the Lord. While we have a song, worship him if you would, please. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Lord. I need somebody to believe with me today. He's a healer. Have you ever heard of my God healing anybody? Have you ever heard of him delivering somebody from an addiction? Do you know of any marriages he's ever put back together? Do you, have you ever heard of him answering prayer? He's no respect your persons. Let him show himself real on your behalf. Worship the Lord with me today. You deserve the glory and the honor. So we lift our hands and worship. As we magnify your name, you deserve the glory and the honor. So we lift our hands in worship as we magnify your name. For you 